Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode, episode 142 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Big sports week coming up. We've got Super Bowl Sunday coming up, and Bet Online is the best place for all your prop bets and Super Bowl action. Whether it's Super Bowl, whether it's NBA, whether it's NHL, whether it's UFC or boxing, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all your sports betting this season. Head to the new updated desktop and mobile website, sign up today, and receive your 50% promo code bonus just use the co- promo code believe 50 that's b-l-e-a-v five zero to receive your promo code bonus your 50 percent bonus bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts and so with that said episode 142 for the love of the game let's get you this ain't gotta work. worry about that just somebody doing something better than me they in pocket they're going to be right where they need to be, right beside me, baby. You know what that is, rattling? I'm the one they forgot about. I need some help reminding these motherfuckers. Boy, help me. So cold. It's God's work. I ain't got nothing even to do with this. It's God's work, man. It's God's work. I ain't got nothing to do with this. episode 142 for the love of the game welcome back everybody it's your boy ath aaron tobin has back behind the mic it is tuesday afternoon and we have ourselves a super bowl matchup right kansas city chiefs were taken down by the cincinnati Bengals and joe burrow in arrowhead 27 24 Bengals in overtime and the la rams took care of the 49ers 20 to 17 Super Bowl matchup is set for next Sunday. Should be a good one. We'll talk a little bit more about what happened championship Sunday with a recurring guest in just a matter of moments. But in terms of an encore from the divisional round, yeah, the games were not as well played as we saw the previous weekend, but they've been exceedingly entertaining. And this has been a really good stretch for the NFL. The last six games has been a really, really good stretch for the NFL. So kudos to the Bengals. Kudos to the Rams. Should be an exciting, exciting Super Bowl Sunday next Sunday. Uh, A couple of quick things before I bring on tonight's guests. A quick Knicks update. Here's the positives. I love Quentin Grimes. I absolutely love Quentin Grimes. I love everything about this kid. I love this kid's attitude. I love his game. I love the fact that he, you know, competes hard every single night. He doesn't expect anything. He earns everything he's gotten. And now he's getting more minutes. And I love to see it. I absolutely love to see it. 
I see a little Clay Thompson in his game. I see a little Brandon Roy in his game. I mean, I think he has a little bit more wiggle early on and a little bit better handle than Clay Thompson did early on. I'm having thoughts. I'm having real positive thoughts. And with the Knicks this season, there hasn't been a whole lot to be super positive about. But Quentin Grimes is that dude, and I hope he continues to play. I hope he finally gets put into the starting lineup coming soon. Uh, And the not-so-good for the Knicks, well, with the trade deadline approaching, and I'm going to do a lot of trade deadline stuff next week, I just dream that every morning I wake up and I see the tweet that the Knicks have traded forward Julius Randle to so-and-so. Whatever the trade is, I don't care. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. His attitude stinks. His play stinks. I've had enough. I've had enough of Julius Randle. So that's a little bit of a Knicks update. One other quick NBA thing, because we're going to talk a lot of football. A lot of football. We spoke last week about the all-star selections. Me and recurring guest Johnny Nolman, we did a whole show selecting the all-star starters and the reserves. And the topic of Andrew Wiggins came up that he was maybe a borderline reserve. Well, he was named a starter, which is ridiculous. I mean, come on. Now, it came out that it turns out that a a K-pop star basically pined for Andrew Wiggins and basically stuffed the ballot and caused all of his fans to stuff the ballot. I mean, he's having a really nice season. He's been better than anybody anticipated. I mean, Nick Wright on FS1 basically said that the Warriors would never win a championship because of Andrew Wiggins' contract. Well, when they get all healthy, they're probably still the best team, most dangerous team in the West, and an easily and are easily a title contender. But Andrew Wiggins should not be a starter in this All-Star game. It, it's an, it's ridiculous. They, they have to do something to make sure that the right people start. But anyway, those are two quick NBA topics. We're going to get into the NBA a lot next week. I just ha- I'm letting everybody know right now, next week is going to be maybe my longest episode ever because we're going to dive into the Super Bowl matchup. We're going to do prop bets, all that preview, and we're going to do NBA trade deadline stuff. Buckle up because it's going to be a lot of stuff from yours truly, and I can't wait. But that's for next week. This episode of the For the Love of the Game podcast is brought to you by Master Networks. Ever dream of investing like Tom Brady, who invests in not only stocks and cryptocurrencies, but also in art? Well, you can too now with Master Network. Master Networks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares in art form icons such as Picasso, Monet, and Andy Warhol. Here's a fun stat. From 1992 to 2001, art outpaced the S&P 500 by 164%. And now you can get in on the action. Go to masternetworks.com slash believe to get started and invest like Tom Brady. See important disclosures at masternetworks.com slash disclaimer for important details. That's masternetworks.com slash believe to get started investing in art. This episode is also brought to you by NordVPN. That's right, people. Two new ad reads on the show. Lego. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to NordVPN slash believe and get 70% off your plan plus an additional month free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's NordVPN, N-O-R-D, VPN slash believe 
to get started today. So two quick NFL things, big stories that have nothing to do with the games that were played this past Sunday in the Super Bowl. And I've ranted on this one, and I'm going to reiterate this again because the news just came out. I'm just seeing it now. So Brian Flores, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, was up for the New York Giants job. The Giants hired Brian Dable instead. He was a leading candidate, from what I understand, for the Houston Texans job. Well, it comes out just now that he's suing the NFL, the Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins, and the New York Giants for racial discrimination in their hiring and employment practices. And here we go again with the same bullshit, the same false narrative, night in and night out. And again, you know, if things come to light, I'd like to, if there's evidence that these organizations are racist and there's racial discrimination and there's hard evidence, then I take back what I said. But right now, Here's the way it is, okay? So Brian Flores was not necessarily fired for his record with the Miami Dolphins. He was fired because he was abrasive with the front office and had a disagreement on, you know, how to handle their high draft pick Tua Tungvaloa, right, at quarterback. I'm not defending the Miami Dolphins front office. They have long been a disaster, but I'm sorry. That's not fired due to racism, all right? The Miami Dolphins are not racist for firing Brian Flores in that respect, okay? This happens all the time. It happens with black NFL coaches. It happens with white NFL coaches. Happens all the time. So that's the Miami Dolphins. Now let's take the Denver Broncos. They hired the offensive coordinator from the Green Bay Packers. They did this with the express desire to hopefully sign Aaron Rodgers, that Aaron Rodgers is going to want to leave the Green Bay Packers and the Denver Broncos have been rumored to be one of his preferred destinations. But wait, it has to be racism, right? It has to be racial discrimination, right? It can't be that they're hiring that guy, and his name is escaping me for a second, because of his ties to Aaron Rodgers. Nope, that that can't be it. It has to be racism. So now let's look at the New York Giants, all right? Let's look at the New York Giants. The Giants hired Brian Dable from the Buffalo Bills. The Giants just hired Joe Shane, who is the assistant general manager of the Buffalo Bills, to be their the Giants general manager. Joe Shane has a connection with Brian Dable. They have a working relationship. Brian Flores was interviewing with the Giants but the Giants offer the job to Brian Dable. But no, that connection between Brian Dable and Joe Shane doesn't matter because racism, that's what it is. It's racism, all right? So that's ridiculous, okay? Now let's look at the NFL as a whole. Let's look at the top candidates this offseason for coaching jobs. Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator for the Bills, He's getting a lot of looks and a lot of interest to be an NFL head coach again. What color is his skin? Okay. 
Byron Leftwich is probably going to get the head coaching job in Jacksonville. What color is his skin? Okay. That's, that's two. Brian Flores was a top candidate, right? And was largely considered one of the top two candidates on the market and was probably going to get the Texans job. And then he goes on to do this. This false narrative that the NFL is inherently racist against black head coaches is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Okay. And I, I was reading briefly, you know, the transcript of his, of his complaint about compensation, about him getting a lower, you know, compensation levels. Well, they get a better agent to negotiate a better deal for you. The, I've said this so many times, but here it is again. It's the same bullshit, all right? Not everything in sports is a racism issue. It's insanity. It's absolute insanity. Now, again, if you have hard proof, hard, hard proof that, in, in fact, there was racial discrimination and it comes to light, by all means, by all means, but it really doesn't sound like that's the case. And from what I understand is that all three organizations – Followed the guidelines of the Rooney rule to the T. They did what they had to do. And the Rooney rule is ridiculous. And it undermines, you know, candidates of all races and and skin tones. It's just nuts. It's just absolutely nuts. And, And I wanted Brian Flores to be the coach of the New York Giants. I think he's a good football coach. All right. They hired an offensive mind, Brian Dable, who has a connection with the general manager. That's totally okay. All right. Same goes for the Broncos and disagreements like this happen in front offices all the time. The coach takes the fall for it. It happens all the time. Jim Harbaugh was abrasive with his front office. All right. In San Francisco, Jim Harbaugh went to a Super Bowl. He had a winning record all five years, I believe. All right. And he was fired. Okay. So Don't tell me, Brian Flores, that you're wrongfully terminated because of racial discrimination. All right. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And as I've said before, and I'll say again, this kind of bullshit undermines the real race issues we have in this country. Okay. Like, just knock it off. And now what's going to happen is ESPN, because of the way they are in terms of their political leanings are going to lean into this crap and you're going to have ex-pro athletes cry on camera and it's all a sham. It's all a fucking sham for theater. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I, I just, I have nothing else to say about it. Just nuts. From that one rant, now we'll close the monologue with a salute. A salute to Tom Brady. It came out today. Finally, it's official. Adam Schefter, who broke the news on Sunday, can breathe easy that Tom Brady is officially retiring. 22 seasons, 21 of them as a starter. He went to the Super Bowl 10 times, won seven Super Bowls, went to 14 championship games. 
just an incredible, incredible career. Incredible career. And the fact that he's leaving on top, on top, I believe he led the NFL in passing yards this year. At 45, it's incredible. Now, I've had my own issues with Tom Brady. Not really with him, with Patriots fans, because Boston sports fans are the worst. They're some of the worst out there. But these last two years with Tampa, I've really enjoyed Tom Brady because he's away from Boston. He's away from Bill Belichick. He proved once and for all that coaching, you know, while coaching is not not important, the players on the field dictated and the fact that people really thought that Bill Belichick was more important to the Patriots dynasty than Tom Brady is nuts. I'm glad he put that to bed. All right. But salute Tom Brady. Salute to you, man. Just an incredible career. Somebody who I got on, I forget who it was, whether it was on Twitter or whatever that I had to take. I kind of did the Max Kellerman thing in 2014 after a loss to the Chiefs that Tom Brady was done and that he was irrelevant as a quarterback. Only since then, went on to win four more Super Bowls. I mean, just maybe the worst take of all time. I own it. it it's in the archives. My friends bring it up to me all the time. I'll wear it. The guy is just incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I really enjoyed his work the last two years. And I'm watching this show, Man in the Arena on ESPN+. Plus. And if he wasn't associated with Boston, and I have my feud with Boston, I would absolutely love Tom Brady because he is everything. He is everything you want in an athlete and everything that I look for and admire in athletes. Busts his ass all the time, took practice seriously, played hard every single game. I just, I, I can't say enough good things about him. The greatest of all time. Not even a question. And salute to you, Tom. Incredible, incredible career. And the fact that he's leaving maybe two or three more prime years on the table at age 45 is just crazy. Absolutely crazy. With that said, I'm going to bring on a recurring guest to talk about what happened Championship Sunday, some weird coaching decisions, some weird play calls. And we're going to talk about the Giants hiring Brian Dable, which was not an act of racial discrimination. We're going to get to our recurring guest in just a matter of moments. I teased it in the monologue. We're having a recurring guest on, somebody who I had the great pleasure of witnessing one of the worst Nick games I've ever witnessed in person with uh, when I was in New York. Uh, Mr. Shai Elberger is back on to talk a little bit about the uh, what's going on in the NFL and to talk about the Giants coaching uh, hiring of Brian Dable. Shai, what's good, brother? How are we doing? We're doing well. Uh, I thought that was a very enjoyable Knicks-Pelicans game. I, I like sitting next to someone who heckles the players. Yeah, well, I was doing a lot of heckling of the players because they were absolutely atrocious that night, uh, running into each other. I mean, it was just a disaster. But we're not here to talk about the Knicks. Uh, we are here to talk about the uh, what's going on in the NFL. So I want to do this a little bit differently because obviously we can we can talk about 
kind of like the X's and O's of what we saw in each game. But I wanted to start off with this. We'll, we'll, we'll start off with the two losing teams and so, some sort of narratives, and then we'll go into the winning teams because you have a um, a victory cigar that you want to light regarding uh, one of your boys, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, which I'm going to give you the floor for in a little bit. And just like I have a victory cigar that I have to light about my Cincinnati Bengals that I predicted to win uh, two games as a uh, as a below one or a two seed. But anyway, I want to start off with this. The Chiefs, right? This was a terrible loss for the Chiefs. First, yep, things, first things first, Patrick Mahomes. If I said to you, Patrick Mahomes' career is going, he's going to be remembered more along the lines of Tom Brady or more along the lines of Aaron Rodgers, what would you say, given what he's accomplished in his career so far? I would say Tom Brady. Um, really? I, yeah, I, I've. It's easy to say in hindsight, but I do have someone who can vouch that I've been on the Mahomes train since his rookie year, since before he was even named the starter. Um, I I think Mahomes, when it's all said and done, not hard to predict him topping Brady in all of the stats that Brady currently is number one in, um, just because the fact that Brady played for so long at such a high level is, is hard for me to ever see being replicated. But I do think when it's all said and done, I guess like Rogers is, is technically considered, you know, a top, I don't know what he is, top five of all time. Um, yeah, I, just think, I don't know about that. I, know, I don't know I about know. that. If Rogers ends up retiring with just one Super Bowl, it's probably hard to put him top five. Um, but I, I just think Mahomes is going to win a bunch of championships. Uh, I just think that's how it's going to play out. Uh, you know, he's not going to win every year. He didn't win last year. Uh, I mean, he lost in the Super Bowl. Um, disappointing loss this year, obviously. Uh, I just think when it's all said and done, we're going to see like Mahomes and the Chiefs were just in, you know, AFC Championship after AFC Championship, Super Bowl, bunch of Super Bowls. And I, I, I do think he'll end up winning like, you know, um, I'll just say like you know, five Super Bowls maybe. I think that's, I wow. think that's what's going to happen. That's a bold statement. Even with I- – the, if you look at the AFC as a whole, in terms of just the quarterback playing the AFC right now, I mean, you have Allen, who's going to be in the mix, who yep. is maybe not just as good as Mahomes, but close. Uh, then you have Joe Burrow, who's seems to be that dude, and Justin Herbert, right? Now, you really think with those four guys – that Mahomes will be able to produce five titles in his career? Because he's going to be fighting to get back into that spot. Yep, it's a good point. The AFC right now is definitely loaded with young elite quarterbacks. Uh, The ones you just mentioned, I don't know if you want to throw Lamar Jackson in there. He's not not that guy. He's not not that level yet. Um, Probably won't be, but... um, like trying to think of who who was in the AFC for Brady's run on the Patriots. You had Peyton Manning, obviously, and and Roethlisberger. Uh, I guess like Roethlisberger and Pittsburgh, right? So, yeah, Brady's competition 
looking back at it, probably was not as good as we are projecting Mahomes' competition to be. Obviously, a lot can change in terms of people getting injured or teams just having bad injuries or whatever. It could be a million reasons. So I understand you know, it's going to be tough for Mahomes to reach the Super Bowl as often as I probably think he will uh, because of those quarterbacks you mentioned. Um, so that, that, that's where you, it's hard to kind of compare player to player and era to era. Like you have to kind of factor in who they're going against. Right. So that, you know, you could say that and then kind of dismiss that. Maybe they won't make a million Super Bowls. I, I think he is, he is a tier above Josh Allen and, and Burrow. Uh, I guess Burrow's only year two, so we'll see, but just like I, I go a lot by the eye test and it's very easy to, to watch Mahomes and just like see that he's amazing. Um, yeah. But I just, I really do think he has talents that other people don't have. And it was a little, a little disappointing to, to see some of his, his plays this past week. Um, obviously the, the, I get, we're getting a little too specific into the game, but no, no, go, go do, ahead, go ahead, because it's going to blend I, into, it's going to all blend together. Go ahead. So he's getting a ton of crap for the end of half uh, situation. And I completely agree with the criticism. I, I would say actually him and Andy Reid are getting a ton of flack. And I honestly don't blame Andy Reid at all. I actually put 100% of the blame on Mahomes. Um, you're at the three-yard line with, five seconds left or and Andy Reed five seconds guy. Left. he trusted his guy and you should be able to have a play you know consuming less than five seconds from the three yard line it's a quick throw uh, a fade you know something Mahomes just messed that up by not throwing immediately and then once he kind of hesitated you knew that was going to be the last play of the half and then the Bengals made a, a good tackle and I say the Bengals, I will not name the player who made the tackle. Um, Your favorite son. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Mahomes totally was to blame for that situation. So that was a little disappointing. I just think when, when you know, we fast forward 15 years from now, he's going to be at the top of the stats. He's going to be, you know, numerous division titles, conf- I think conference championships, I think Super Bowl appearances. And um, if that doesn't happen, I guess, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, you could have said the same about Rodgers, you know, going into his fourth year or whatever, that he's probably going to make five more Super Bowls and he hasn't made any. So, I, I mean, I guess nothing would really shock, shock me, but I, I, I do think he's, he's going to be more compared to Brady than Rodgers when it's all said and done. I, I just want to clarify why why I'm asking this question because I, I don't think anybody's ever winning seven Super Bowls again. I don't think that's right. ever happening. Yeah. Right. So so Brady in that respect is a winner in the ultimate team sport is going to be head and shoulders above everybody else. Right. Yep. Like it, it it's unassailable. I, I truly believe that it's going to be unassailable for a bunch of different reasons. Why I think you know the cap situation has gotten you know people have gotten smarter quarterbacks are getting paid more it doesn't allow for the rosters to stay as good for as long and 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 Brady took you know hometown discounts to stay in New England for a competitive team I don't think anybody's doing that whatever a bunch of different reasons right 
as you mentioned, the 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 sheer quarterback competition in the AFC in the Mahomes era seems to be a little bit stronger than when Brady played for the majority of career. And again, remember, he overlapped with Brady for a couple of years, right? Right. And, and I'll just add also for Brady, like you said, seven Super Bowls. I, I know that's like... And he went to 10, by the way. Right. So that, that's my point is like, you get... Yes, football is so much different than any other sport because it's just, it's one game and, you know, anything can happen in one game. So it's, it's like, I, to me, it's like going to 10 Super Bowls is as impressive as winning seven Super Bowls. And like, it's no absurd. one, it's absolutely, no absurd. one's going to go to 10 Super Bowls again. I don't think. No, but it, it was more along the lines of we've seen Rogers come up small, right? In big spots. We just saw it a couple of weeks ago. Number one mm-hmm. seed at home, and he comes up small, and he plays poorly, right? Yep. It, it, not all losses are created equal, right? Like, you wouldn't say Josh Allen came up small when he lost the game against Mahomes. Like, he played his, the position about as well as you can possibly play it, and, yep. and he, he just got beat, right? Yeah. Mahomes, yeah, Mahomes had an Aaron Rodgers-like loss, in a sense, where – he came up small at the end of the first half and at the end, and you know, in the second half, I mean, they scored three points were held to like 83 yards. Like that's right. atrocious. Right. And he had the two interceptions. Now our guy, uh, Benny Hill made uh, BJ Hill made the uh, interception. I mean, that was a great play by a lineman, but you know, that was what it was more lines of. Are, are we going to see Mahomes, you know, really elevate? Cause Brady didn't really have stinkers in playoff games. I mean, he really didn't. And it's just a testament to how great he was in the big moments. But, like, Mahomes, you got to put this one on, like, on, on a stinker level. And I'm just curious to know, does he rebound from this? Or is it more just like, are, are, we, are we going down an Aaron Rodgers path with Mahomes? I mean, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Like that—that's what I would say. Leaning more towards Brady than Rodgers, but I—I I would say that you know this was really bad for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and it was just so surprising, also, given how shocking. the first absolutely first shocking. twenty-eight minutes unfolded. You were just like, I mean, good luck trying to stop the Chiefs. They're about to win by fifty, and. Um, you have to give credit to Cincinnati. They clearly made adjustments at halftime for the second half. I'm not smart enough to know exactly what those adjustments were, but anytime you give up 20 points and, you know, 200 plus yards in the first half and three points and 80 yards in the second half, there was clearly something that changed uh, on Cincinnati's side. And so credit to them. Back to your Brady point, I can't sit here and tell you with confidence that he never put up stinkers like we're talking about playoff games from literally 20 years ago oh no i'm sure he did just, they just don't they don't resonate the same way they like, don't reson- resonate okay, but right do you think it will 15 years from now we're gonna be like remember when mahomes had that bad second half against cincinnati in 2022 like i don't know I maybe think yeah. a, i think blown with uh a 20 what, what was it? Uh, I guess it was 21-3. That could have been more. Yeah. Matter I guess. Matter which unfolded, yes. Right. Um, I, just, I do feel like there were a bunch of I, – I think about it this way, like the tuck rule game. Like that 
was just kind of like a BS win for Brady, but no one's like right. diminishes Brady's greatness because he got lucky or because I know that was a that was a classic uh, anti Brady argument for so long was like he won all of his Super Bowls by you know last second Vinatieri field goals without this Hall of Fame kicker he may not win any. Like now we sit here twenty years later he's retired and if you say that you'd sound like an idiot. Right. So it's like. Yeah, things happen. Circumstances happen. At the end of the day, it's what what was the end result. And if Mahomes ends up winning four or five Super Bowls and gets to seven, no one's going to be like, well, he blew that game against the Bengals. True. True. I, I just – the one that you could, like, pin on Brady where they blew a big lead was 2006 when the Colts came back, right, in the AFC title game. Right, yep. But – that was a. I mean, Peyton, I don't remember even. Yeah, that but that was, that was a Peyton Manning masterclass, right? Like that wasn't that wasn't Brady with a, a huge brain fart that led to. Right. That that was yeah. a that was a masterclass by Peyton Manning in the second half when you're just like another guy who's an all time great just went went berserk. I I mean, I'll think about even the the Giants Super Bowls. Like no one sits here today saying. Yeah, well, Brady and the Pats, they only scored 14 points and 17 points. Like, he laid an egg. He, yeah, he got a safety by intentional grounding in the end zone. Like, how, how that he's not the greatest ever. He This uh, team couldn't even score over 17 points in two Super Bowls. It's like, okay, he's not, you know, he's, he didn't score 30 points in every single game he played. The bottom line is he won seven Super Bowls and he went to 10. And that's why, and he's number one in every category. That's why he's the best of all time. Also, now we're 14 like in, or 15 AFC title games and NFC title right, games. Right. Just so it's like absurd. now we're in the moment of this just happened. So it's like, obviously, we're going to talk about it. But at the end of the day, if Mahomes has similar career accolades to Brady, again, like no one's going to be like, what about that play before the half? Like it just, it'll be a little, you know, dot on what his entire career ended up being. Yeah. I, it's I, I just find it interesting because obviously, you know, I'm I'm a big eye test guy also like you. And and you, you can't really get a feel for what happened in a game unless you're really watching it. And I just I don't don't ever remember getting a feel that like Brady had like this monster brain fart in a big game. And you know, that's a testament to him, but like Mahomes, it's been a little weird. Like you would think, for as as great as the guy is, they've, he's been to four straight AFC title games, which is insane. But to only only win one Super Bowl, it, it's kind of like a little su- surprising. You would think, right? Given how how absurdly great he is and how quickly he became absurdly great, you know, like is it that like is it a little unfair to Mahomes in a sense where we just hold him to a a higher standard? Well, we hold him to a higher standard because we know and we've seen what he is capable of, and that's regular season, and that's playoffs, and that's Super Bowl. And just, you know, we can hold people to these standards. It doesn't mean that literally every game they're going to dominate. Like, okay, what about um, of course. You know, Super Bowl 46? Brady heaves one downfield and Chase Blackburn picks him off. That was a pivotal play in the game. You could say that was a brain fart. I'm sure the next day when, you know, people are calling up sports radio, 
people are talking about that play. Like, why would he just chuck it to Gronk, who's on a bad ankle, and that, you know, it's thwarted a, a scoring drive? It's just like, I, I just think we're in the moment. It's so recent, so we're, we're really talking about it. But, you know, it's hard to, like, remember over the last 20 years, any time Brady had such a play um, where that, it, you know, it, it costs him or costs his team. It's just you, you can't remember everything over 20 years you could just look at kind of the big picture yeah all right so second question coaching in these big games what would you you've seen it across four head coaches this past weekend what would you say the coaching level is at in terms of these guys doing a good job because i mean we're not pinning that play on Andy Reid at the end of the first half because I, I think it's wise of him yeah, I'm, to trust this guy. Yep. But the second half, like, especially when they're running the ball at five to six yards a clip, he just went away from it, right? He just got a little stubborn. You saw that, and we'll go into the Niners in a second. This is a good transition. Kyle Shanahan gets a lead, and then all of a sudden he has a knack for big games when, you know, it gets close to the end, he gets tight. I, I just, wh- where would you say the coaching is? And, oh, oh, and, and talk about coaching McVay with the crazy challenges, you know, that yeah. caused him two timeouts that could have been devastating. Like, would you say that the coaching is getting worse or that these guys are trying to outsmart themselves? Like, like what would you say? On a scale of um, Joe Judge to Bill Belichick, I think they're closer to to Belichick. Well, naturally, that's I, not fair. I mean, Joe Judge is horrible. I actually had this thought over the weekend because I know people were kind of ripping Andy Reid for the second, for first the play before the half, which I, I like you, I, I don't blame him for, but second half. Um, and then Shanahan, as you mentioned, I think I saw like Debo Samuel had no touches in the last 12 minutes of the game. And then, yeah, McVay's challenges – and it just made me think, like, it's so – it's all – like, you really have to put these things in perspective. Like, Kyle Shanahan, are the Niners – like, when you see them, you think of the Niners, you think of them as, like, this great elite team. Like, I don't. But yet they've been in the Super Bowl t- – or not the Super Bowl. Like, the NFC Championship game two of the last four years. Sean McVay is, like, one week – and especially, like, a few years ago, he's, like, this young, genius wonderkin – um, you know, they get to a Super Bowl. Yeah, they, but then like during the season and not just this year, but like other years also, just like so many games where, you know, the Rams are like lose two in a row or they, you know, they lost three or four and people start doubting Sean McVay and like, what's his deal? Maybe he's not so smart and he's outsmarting himself and these challenges are horrendous. But then like take a step back and realize the Rams are now going to be in their second Super Bowl in four years. And like you just have to like put it in perspective. Like your t- these teams are are good and successful and go far basically every year. And so these coaches obviously are doing something right to reach this point. And it's just funny. It's like you go on like Niners Twitter after the game and it's like file fire Shanahan. He, he's a choker. I'm like, do you understand your team has just gone to the NFC championship game with Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, uh, like there's 27 other teams that have been worse than your team over the last five years. 
So like, let's just, just like calm down with like my coach sucks, which is what fans do when their team loses. You have to blame someone. So it's blaming Jimmy and it's blaming Shanahan. No, no um, question. Went, about, hold on. But no question about yeah. it. But there are, and maybe it's because, you know, football fans have gotten smarter over the years. But like, for example, like let, let's transition to the Niners Rams game for a second. When he punted on fourth and two, on the um, plus side of the 50 at the end of the game where he is, where you're right. You've been running the ball like crazy the entire year. You have Debo Samuel. Who's was like this ultimate Swiss army knife. Like punting there is criminal. Yeah. You, you don't have to convince me. That's like my number. But you also, one but, okay. But you also thing. saw this, you know, it wasn't just Shanahan as a coach. It was Shanahan as a coordinator, like going back to the the 28-3 Super Bowl against the Patriots. Like there was a lot of stuff in that game too. So like, what is it about these guys that they kind of turtle in these late in these big games? Yeah. So here's my question. So when he's the OC on Atlanta, he gets blamed. And when he's the head coach on San Francisco, he also gets blamed. Wasn't he calling plays in both situations? He's calling. He might be calling plays, but I'm not sure when he's OC on Atlanta, he's he's choosing when to punt or not. But I I guess your point there was like the play calling got bad. But um, I I just think like, I guess maybe everyone's standard is just Belichick, who like never seems to be second guessed on any decision he makes. And everyone else, I can't think of any other coach who who doesn't have these instances where they get second guessed and yet yeah, it's, it's confusing it's like why like we're all sitting there why would they punt they have a top running team in the nfl you have elijah mitchell debo samuel just like you know get two yards and win the game or, or whatever not win the game but like you know really increase try and win the game there. right there yeah no you're right try and win so the game. Um, I, to me, like, yeah, I'm one of those people that's like, what are you doing? How could you punt there? I, I, I despise punting on fourth and short in opposing territory, which killed me when the giants did it like nine times a game. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. These coaches, uh, McVay, the challenges were really like, you just, like, you have to know by now that unless it's like very obvious, you cannot challenge spot plays where it's just like you know you're looking at nine angles with with 20 huge bodies and you're like trying to see where the ball is and then respond like those really don't get overturned although it did I think in the Chiefs game Um, but that was an obvious one so these coaches I don't know if they're they're you know they're like they're focused on like like Shanahan may just be focused on the plays and then you know he has 10 seconds to make this decision and um you just like, that's like when you're playing Madden and you like kind of space out and then you realize you have eight seconds left. So you just do ask Madden and it just tells you to punt. So you just click it immediately. Right. And you're like, oh shit, why did I do that? So, but I, I don't know. I still, I'm, I get the frustration from those fans and, and needing someone to blame. I try to, I try to just take an even, take a step back and have perspective and be like, yes, this decision was poor and this decision I don't understand but at the end of the day your team every year is competitive you make the playoffs you've gone this far twice in the last four years I wouldn't be begging to you know replace your coach yeah listen and and 
no one's going to bat a thousand, right? I, I just, I just find it like, I find it fascinating. Like, where's the line, right? Like, like if you put the Niners Rams game, like, was that more of an indictment on Shanahan's turtling in a big spot? Or is that more of an indictment on Jimmy Garoppolo and who he is as a player? And, and this question, I, yeah. right, go ahead. And what's so unfair is, like we're talking about, you just right. We're talking about Shanahan and Garoppolo, and yet, if the if the Niners safety can catch a, a fly yeah. ball to center field that hits him between the numbers, that game is over, and no one is criticizing Shanahan at all. People are probably criticizing McVay for his challenges or, or for other reasons, and the Niners are in the Super Bowl again. So there's just there's like. There's so many things like that. That was not, that was the easiest interception you could possibly have. And he drops it. So now decisions that Shanahan made that ultimately become a Are game highlighted. that they lose get highlighted. Right. But like the guy catches it, the game's over and Shanahan gets Gatorade dumped. And like, you know, the Niners sign him to like a four-year extension. So it's, it's like, there's just, there's so many things. That's why I, it's very hard for me to like, blame losses on specific coaching decisions unless it's like really egregious yeah so so i don't know that that's my take i know we're tying this back to the patriots and it bothers the crap out of me but i feel like their success has really skewed the minds of football fans everywhere Right. It has. Yeah, it's true. It has. And, and it sucks yeah. that I'm admitting this because I hate the Patriots and I hate Boston and I hate Belichick, but like it, it's, it's made us all crazy. I love Belichick. I think it's, it's amazing. I think he's, he's incredible. And I love, I love that he outcoaches everyone he's ever coached against. Um, and I was thinking like Andy Reid, and I, I don't know if I'm uh, allowed to, to shift over to this game, but like, Andy Reid coaching the Eagles for all those years. What was the narrative by the time he ended up getting fired? It was like, yeah, the Eagles were good every year. They made a Super Bowl. They, they were competitive, the but he can't get over the hump. He chokes in big games. He, he, his coaching decisions leave a lot to be desired. He gets too pass happy, um, et cetera, et cetera. Then he goes to Kansas City, guys, Mahomes, and they win a Super Bowl. And then it's like, Oh, you, you know, and no one deserves this more than Andy Reid. He has the most wins over the last 15 years, you know, outside of Belichick. And he actually is this great coach who just, for different reasons, never won the Super Bowl on the Eagles. But now he's on a different team with different players and they won the Super Bowl. And he's great. And, I, and I, I'm sure he is a good coach. Like, there's no denying it. But now you fast forward to, like, to what just happened. And it's kind of like, this is the Andy Reid everyone kind of remembers from the Eagles. Like he got too pass happy. He, he blew this lead. His, his coaching, you know, play calling left a lot to be desired. It's like, oh, see, this is Andy Reid. You know, everyone remembered. Um, and still, he's probably like number two in wins in the NFL over the last, you know, 20 years. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like there's just so many because football is a one game thing and, and one play can change everything. There's just so many variables that make huge differences in the outcome of a game that it's hard for me to like kind of pinpoint coaching decisions. Like you never think in a basketball series, like, oh, in game three, 
you know, this coach drew up a horrible inbounds play as the shot clock was expiring. Right. And that's why they lost the series. Like that obviously would never happen, but that's what happens in the NFL. Like they call the bad play before the half that costs them the chance to go to the Super Bowl. So it's, it's crazy, but that's why football is great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's just a testament to, you know, Brady and Belichick that they never really had these, these moments where they, it sticks out. Right. It, it, that's that's why they're great. But that's, that's, yeah. I, I, and it's funny. We talk about Shanahan versus Garoppolo, right? Like look at Shanahan's record when Garoppolo's played. Right. And I've always been on the side that the players on the field decide the game way more than the coaches, right? I think it's 65, 35 players. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that's even lightly. I probably lean closer to 70, 30, but whatever, right? I think and it's, it, I will say it's definitely more coaching. Coaching matters more, I think, in NFL than I'll just say NBA. Right. I, I have okay, yes. NBA is just like, it's literally, did you make your shots or did you miss your shots? And that will determine if you won or lost. Right. No question. Right. But still it's, it's the players on the field, which is why I always sided with Brady over Belichick, which is like, and it's funny when we're just talking about Garoppolo, right? Garoppolo's record with the Niners when he plays is excellent. Right. Right. Kyle Shanahan's career record with the Niners as a head coach. Now, again, there are other circumstances that go into this, right? But he's below 500, even though he's gone to two F- AFC, uh, NFC title games and a Super Bowl appearance, right? And it's funny that you look at it and it's just like, if you ask Niners fans, which would they rather keep if they had to keep one, which again, it's not the case, they probably all say Kyle Shanahan. It's just, it's weird. It's just really, really strange. Like football is just a weird game. Most people don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is, is good. Like people think he is, you know, somewhere between like what 13th and and 20th 15th and 20th best in the nfl and those same people you know blame shanahan and say he's a choker and and uh you know what is he doing it's like well you can't have it both ways the team has been really good for a few years you can't say your quarterback sucks and your coach sucks yeah unless both of them do stink and the team is four and 13 like like we have oh that's Um, what i'm saying yeah yeah but they're they're not all right so now we sp- focused on the um, the losing teams. I'm going to let you light your victory cigar. Odell Beckham Jr. comes to the Rams. He's been cast aside by the Cleveland Browns, which I wouldn't say is a model of uh, success when it comes to an NFL franchise. Goes to the Rams, has immediate impact. Turns out that he's not toast and he's not nearly the locker room cancer that a lot of people said. Uh, you have been on this corner for a long time. The floor is yours. Take your victory lap. Um, I'll say this. As you know, I never bought into the narrative that he was some locker room cancer team destroyer and would never be able to be on a winning team. He was always, in, in the years he was on the Giants, he was by far... And without argument, the best player the Giants had. He had was able to do things I had never seen another player in the NFL do. And certainly on the Giants was the best player on offense that they'd ever had in my lifetime. 
And that includes Tiki Barber, who I love and was probably number one before Odell came along. Well, the only argument you can make was Saquon's rookie year. Saquon's rookie year was not even as good as Odell's rookie year. And then Odell did it like four more years. The fact that he had a bad playoff game in Green Bay after the boat trip was such so distorted um, Giants fans and football fans as to like what he was. It drove me crazy. As, as we just have been talking about how football is like a one game situation and, and anything can happen. He had a bad game. And so for people to now, not now, but at the time, like make it a narrative that he choked, he's a choker. He'll never win because he had a bad game was so stupid to me. And I, I don't, you know, it's not fair to him or right to ever compare him to Jerry Rice, obviously. But if you actually looked at Jerry Rice, his playoff career, his first three games of his playoffs career, he averaged like three catches for 30 yards and had like two fumbles and no touchdowns. And I just like imagine in today's society what people would have been saying about Jerry Rice, you know, after his fourth year in the league. It's just you can't base an opinion, a narrative on a one game sample size. So the Giants trade him. Gentleman says, you know, well, no locker room issue now. Um, of course, they have, uh, have had on-field issues since. Um, and he goes to Cleveland. And I will admit, I definitely had higher expectations for what he was going to do on the Browns. As did now, I. looking back at the two years he was on Cleveland, he had, uh, he was, he was in, I think he played through injuries his first year and had off-season surgery. Then he, he tore, I guess it was three years or two and a half. Then he tore his ACL last year. We've now seen, I know there was like that period of time, uh, maybe Baker's second year where people thought he may be the real deal. But I think now that we've seen four years of Baker, you know, no one thinks he's good. If anything, he's like, you know, he's meh, he's average. We saw numerous clips of Odell being wide open and Baker throwing it into row seven. So yeah, if I was Odell, I would also be frustrated. Like you're getting open, you're not getting the ball, you're getting horrible passes. And oh, by the way, the narrative about you from everyone is that you suck. And that like, who wouldn't that kill? Like that, that's gotta be tough to take. Um, I don't know exactly what was the cause for his, you know, getting released by Cleveland. I guess his dad posting the video, it's tough to come back from that. But like Odell didn't post that video. Did he know it was going to be posted? Who knows? Who knows really what happened? If I, maybe I, you know, if I were him, I would also tell him, you know, post this video of showing everyone how I'm open on every play and I'm not getting the ball. I, it's just like, no, no teammate of his had ever said a bad word about him. Any word you've heard anyone say, and this includes the giants. He's a great guy in the locker room. Everyone loves playing with him. It's not a surprise that when he got released by Cleveland, he was being, uh, recruited by multiple teams, you know, like, you know, Aaron Donald, you know, FaceTiming him, Von Miller, I don't know who got there first, him or Von Miller. Um, I think Von was there first. Um, people want to play with him. Like, he's a cool guy. He works his ass off. He's incredibly talented. Why wouldn't you want to play with him? It's only dumb fans who are like, well, he had a couple drops in one game in 2016. 
oh, by the way, a season where without Odell, the Giants probably win three games, but they won 11 games. But let's forget everything and just focus on that one game because he took a picture on a boat. By the way, um, by the way, so I know you remember this. He made an unbelievable tippy-toe touchdown catch at the end of that game. I know it was kind of garbage time, but if you remember the touchdown catch that he made in that game, it was it was spectacular. So I I, I do remember, and I hate. To I know to, you uh, remember. I hate, I hate to have to correct you as the host. That tippy toe touchdown catch was against Green Bay in the regular season, not the playoff. Oh, I got that. I got that confused. It was a hell of a catch, though. Yeah, Eli was like scrambling, and he just like looks like he's throwing it out of the end zone. And Wait, you sure that wasn't catch. in the playoffs? Oh, yeah, right. he yes. scored his first playoff touchdown this year. Okay, yeah, you're yeah. right. I, I, I um, stand corrected. No, he, uh, he, uh, can you imagine if in the playoff game he actually had a touchdown and people still said he sucked? No, he, he had a bad playoff game. No denying it. He, he, he had a bad game. Um, just me personally, I don't base someone's career. I've watched him play for five years. I'm not going to say, well, he, he, he sucks now. You know, he had a bad game. Anyway, goes to the Rams. You know, as luck or, or unluck would have it, Robert Woods tears his ACL like the same day, literally. So who knows? You know, if Woods is still healthy, what's Beckham's role? We'll never know. But you see what he can do as a starting receiver. It helps to have Cooper Cup on the other side, obviously. He's playing with definitely the best quarterback he's ever played with. And wow, shocking. He gets open a lot. He catches touchdowns. He's jumping over people on fades like why are people surprised? This is what he does. He's really good. And oh, wow, he's not stopping a team from advancing to the Super Bowl. How shocking is that? Like, it, it was just like such a dumb narrative. So I do definitely feel vindicated. I'm very happy for him. I'm rooting for him. And I hope he has a very, very good game. And um, I hope he gets a ring. Gi- Giants didn't deserve him. I don't know about that. I mean, listen, like I was generally an Odell guy. You can't say that he didn't do a couple of like stupid things over the years, but like young guys, that's what happens when they have success immediately. Like it just happens, right? It just happens. I I agree. And I, and I don't shy away from saying he had a role in his leaving New York. Like he should not have done that. Josina Anderson interview with Will Wayne. That was a really poor decision. Um, I I did not like it at the time, although I understood where he was coming from. It was just really not thought out well. And that was was not a good idea. I I, I would say if he was could do that again, he would not do that again. So unfortunately, yeah, he was complicit in in that in, in, in him getting traded. I still think when you have a guy of that caliber talent, you make it work. Um, I think someone else would have it aside from Gettleman. I know Mara loved Odell. He said numerous times after season ended that he wanted and hoped Odell would be a giant for life. They signed him to that extension. And it's, it's funny at the time, you know, Gettleman was one year in. People, I obviously I was, you know, beside myself, but there were like, I would say Giants fans were 50-50 split on that trade. Now you fast forward three I, years, four for years. For the record, I was I said it was 35, 40 cents on the dollar. Right. And that's what it was. And now we see 
Gettleman's whole body of work and realized that he was literally the worst GM in recent NFL history. And this just is, it, to me still is at, is at the top of uh, his list of just atrocious, atrocious decisions. Well, it's clear to me that, you know, Odell at his best was better than Robert Woods at his best. So I know it oh, came at, like at, at a, a terrible circumstance for Robert Woods, but like, you know, the Rams got lucky here. Before we move on to me taking a victory lap about the Bengals in a second, um, where were you on Stafford before this run? Um, well, you, before the run, I think pretty sure in our preseason podcast, I did pick the Rams to win the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. And when we had our midseason recap, regroup, or refresh, whatever, I think I stuck with the Rams. So I've been a Stafford fan uh, for a while. I think he, and I'm, we might be seeing it now, like uh, just a classic case of a great quarterback that was stuck on a lousy team that never built up around him. Uh, I know immediately you're like, what? He had Calvin Johnson. So yes, that's fair. And because he had Calvin Johnson, Stafford put up, was able to put up great stats, lead the league in passing a bunch of times, a lot of touchdowns. But let's face it, like, who else was on those teams besides him and Calvin Johnson? Like, can you even name three people? Like, no, you really can't. Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron. Jacques Bell. Yeah. um, Golden Tate. So, um, it's like, I can't even name one person on defense. So, I just, I'm happy that he was able to go to a team uh, that can compete. And he's good. He's a really good quarterback. Like, we may... A Super Bowl obviously would help, um, but like he's a borderline Hall of Famer, I think. So just I like uh, I like when these things happen. A guy stuck on a shitty team his whole career gets uh, kind of a second life on a on a better team, and this is this is what happens. It also makes you think like how many awesome players just were stuck on bad teams their yeah. entire career, especially and, quarterbacks. Um, and when you especially you, quarterbacks, yeah, I mean, I mean, Archie, Archie Manning, obviously, we didn't watch him play, and that was stats, the first like, name that came to mind. Yeah, his stats look really bad, and just like from what you've read, it's just like his teams were horrible. And like, you'll never know if Archie Manning had been on a good team, what would the end result have been? Yeah, but no, that's, it, it that's was before our time. Yes, it was, but he gave us Peyton and Eli, and hopefully he'll give the Giants uh, Arch in in four years or something like that. No, it's um, I was with you on set. I, I was kind of you know you, you saw him have like these late game drives, even with the Lions, like when they would win like yeah. games, like he would he would just drive them down the field, and you're just like this dude's talented. Like I know he throws a lot of picks. Like I know. You know, there, there are some boneheaded plays, but, like, he's talented. So, I mean – Yeah, he's trying to carry the team throwing 50 times a game like you're going to throw interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I, I remember one game with the Lions. I think he was playing against the Browns. But I think he, like, dislocated his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monster pass, like a... And then, like, do- I think he dove over the, over the top at the end of regulation to like win or something like it was crazy. Yeah. Either that or Dallas. Um, yeah. There's like, um, there's like a video of, uh, I guess he may have even been mic'd that game and like 
he's like basically he's not crying but he's like howling in pain after like his clavicle cracks yeah um, he, he stays in and yeah and gets the game winner yeah he's um I, i'm i'm happy for them even though i have this bunch of la's friends who are insufferable so i'm obviously not rooting for the rams even though as you just listed that they're inherently likable but i hope for these kids demise and i want them to be sad um that brings me to my victory lap the cincinnati Bengals. now again i did not pick the cincinnati Bengals to go to the super bowl i did not pick them to win the super bowl i i didn't see this coming but before the season started, I did say the Cincinnati Bengals were going to go over their season win total. Uh, I did say that they were going to be better than people think. And I did say, even though as much as I like Justin Herbert, that I would take Joe Burrow over Justin Herbert seven days a week and twice on Sunday. And I, I just feel very vindicated by all this because and again, you know, the, the stat nerds are going to are gonna say one thing, right? And I, you know me, I'm an eye test guy. Sports is not crunching numbers, right? Sports is not sitting in a blackjack table. There's, there's an right. emotion and there's, there's other things that go just beyond the play on the field, beyond the talents and all of those things, right? All those intangibles, as we say, Joe Burrow has it in sports spades right he has it in spades and i'm not saying justin herbert doesn't have it but i just know that that dude has it meaning joe burrow and i I just love it i love this for them um I, i i'm i'm happy for the cincinnati Bengal fans like they have their guy who if there was any like an heir apparent to to brady in terms of Physical ability, moxie, I'm not saying projecting success here, but like Joe Burrow is the most like Tom Brady of any of the other quarterbacks. Uh, I'm going to need more time of watching Burrow. Um, he, he seems a little more mobile, although not, I, I mean, younger Brady kind of kind of high step gallop like Burrow did the other day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's been like two years, I'm going to need to see a little more for Burrow, but there's no denying he's looks like the real deal. Um, you know, he just, I, there's not a lot of Bengals games on national TV, which also kind of hurts my ability to kind of, you know, have an eye test because they're just not on TV. Obviously that's going to change going forward. Um, so, so we shall see. I, I hope like the Bengals are a fun team. They're in the AFC you know, there's no threat to the Giants, obviously. So I'm, you know, the Bengals offense is just, should be really good for a really long time. Just, you know, Mixon, I was thinking like Burrow, Mixon, Chase, Higgins, and Boyd has to be considered a top three group in the NFL of QB running back receivers. Oh, and yeah. all young, all, all homegrown. So you know, I know, you know, running backs are kind of replaceable. So I don't know what, what Mixon's like contract situation is, but just with Burrow, Chase and Higgins should be, you know, really, really good for, for several years. And hopefully he stays healthy. Like the worst thing possible would be him, you know, suffering another knee injury or something like that. Don't so hopefully that doesn't happen. On the universe. No, don't I don't do wish that. any, I don't wish bad things on anybody. Um, I, 
yeah, he's 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 making a name for himself for sure in the playoffs because these are games like what did the Bengals have like one national game this year and it was probably like Bengals Browns on Thursday night like week three like one of those classic games and so now we're seeing him step up in competition you know, Raiders are whatever um, Titans we said we're like kind of a shady one seed um, and even that game like like the, the Bengals won because they got a tip interception with 15 seconds left. Like that game easily yeah, goes the other no way. Question. The Titans win and no one is talking about Joe Burrow today. Yeah. But, the Titans, they, you know, but even in that game where he didn't have great, the, the greatest numbers, like he got sacked nine times. Right. No, I know. Just but kept, if they lose, just kept agree, going. Right? Yeah. But if they lose that game, there's right. We're not having this conversation that Joe Burrow is, you know, whatever he is, because they won one playoff game. And we're talking about what is he going to do next year or whatever. Um, so just like another example, just like, you know, specific individual plays, just changing a narrative on a, for a team, a player. Um, I, I mean, like no greater example than the helmet catch for what that did for Eli's career. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope, I hope we have a borough, Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, dueling each other every year for the next 10 years. They should play each other every year as, as winning their division. The, you know, the, the division winners play each other every year. And um, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's, it's fun to have really, and I know where we live, it's, you know, we don't, we don't watch, you know, actual football in these parts, but it's fun to watch real, real teams and real players you know, actually score points and, and have elite players. Yeah, it, it's nice. Uh, before we go to uh, transition to uh, our favorite football team, um, quick prediction for the game. I'm, I'm going to talk about the game more in, in terms of the, uh, the matchup next week, but the line right now I think is uh, LA minus three and a half or four. Who do you like? I feel like I, I think the Rams will win just when I think about the top tier talent on both teams. I just think the Rams have more really good players, but you know, this is now a situation where I didn't think the Bengals would beat the chiefs. I certainly didn't think they would win, you know, after 28 minutes. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, there's no way the Bengals win. So I almost feel like the value for betting purposes would, would be like taking Bengals money line and just, you know, hoping that they're better or that they, that they beat the Rams. Like the Rams are not unbeatable. Obviously we've seen them lose many times this year. So I think the Rams win. If you're asking me to, to choose to bet on, will they cover? I would, I would probably take the Bengals to cover because I think they have a decent chance to win also. Well, that's where I'm going. I am taking the Bengals to win outright. That's I, yeah, I I'm not betting against this guy again. Like, look, look at his numbers through every big game he's played in, whether it was college or in the pros. Like, it, it's it's sickening. I'm not betting I, against um, him. No, and then they're hot, and they're you know they're coming off. I thought even like last week, like the Bengals. Yeah, they so they beat the Raiders. They beat the Titans. They've already gone further than anyone expected to like the lose to the chiefs 
Um, but they obviously, you know, they were a four win team and they made it to the AFC championship game and there's nothing to, to be sorry about with that, or, you know, the optimism would be at an all time high and then they win that game. So it's like, why can't they win the Super Bowl? Like, I mean, the Rams are not, the Rams are not an unbeatable force. So, um, is it going to be, is there going to be any sort of home field advantage for LA? Like, I don't think so. It's pretty, I don't know if I made they didn't this. have home field advantage in the NFC no, title I game. So I, I don't know if I made this point to you or someone else, but like I, LA is it's hilarious. The Rams moved out of LA to St. Louis, partly because they just didn't have the fan Rams. base in LA. The Raiders were there. Um, and then, so they did, then they moved back from St. Louis to LA. And what do you know? They, they don't, don't have, have a great fan base. And so it's just like, it's like clearly such a money uh, fueled decision, first of all. But it's like, I would not be surprised at all if the crowd ends up being 70, 30 Bengals fans. Like Cincinnati is not a, um, actually, I might sound stupid saying it's not a big city. It might be a big city. I'm not really sure. But, it's not a big media market city. Right. It's not a big media market. But these, there's also like these fan bases of a team like the Bengals that haven't been to the Super Bowl since 1985. I've been and waiting been 30 tortured. years for this. Right. Tortured, decades of darkness. Like they're going to want to be there. Yeah. LA fans, it's like, oh, celebrities will be there. They, you know, there are some fans, but it's not like, it's not what they've been living for and dying for. So I, I definitely could see the, the home field swaying towards Cincinnati. Not that I think that makes a difference really in the outcome, um, but it'll be interesting to see. So yeah, I, I, I would had this argument and I kind of put this in a rant that like LA is not a sports town. It's an event city that loves the Lakers and has a passionate Dodger, Dodger fan base, but it's not a sports town. It's just not like it, it, it doesn't compare to New York. Chicago, Philly, Boston, Cleveland. Um, trying to think who else, but like it, it's not even anywhere near that pecking order in terms of sports cities. Pittsburgh. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. It's it's I don't I it's like uh, so weird to to move out of a city for a reason and then move back to the city and now you have that yeah. same. But, reason, but, so. the, but the L.A. fans in my life were just like, it's a new fan base. I was like, I'll get lost with this new fan base nonsense. I mean, look at the Vegas Knights in the NHL, right? A brand new fan base. They sell out with their home fans every night, right? They've been to playoff games. They would never allow majority of the stadium to be opposing fan base. The Vegas Raiders, right? The Raiders have never been in Vegas. I know they haven't had a playoff game yet. But Raider fans throughout the stadium, like they were never, it never felt like an away game for the Raiders. Like just ridiculous, whatever. Anyway, that's enough about LA. Um, question. Uh, just one last thing uh, before we go. Uh, Giants head coach, Brian Dable. Um, are you happy with the hire? Are you, did you want somebody else? Now, again, there's a lot going on with this, uh, with this hire, I spoke about in the monologue, it, it's it, Brian Flores claiming that they're racist is absolutely ridiculous, but whatever. I, I touched on that already. As, as just taking all that aside, as just a sheer hire, were you happy with the hire? 
yes, I think um, I think he was probably the favorite going in. I think the hire makes sense uh, for a, a lot of different reasons, um, especially once they hired Shane as the GM. I think uh, it just made sense to, and it's like the the word of the of the hiring cycle is like align, um, but it makes sense. Like Shane, he brings in this guy from Buffalo. They're They've worked together for four years. They know each other, same, same vision, same everything. And I think that just is good finally to have uh, continuity between the GM and coach. Obviously the Giants offense um, is, is worse than uh, what a Yeshiva would put out. So they needed an offensive guy. Um, I think it's easier, or I should say easier, but there were, in my opinion, more, quality defensive coordinators that could have been hired um, give, if you hire an offensive type head coach. So like the Giants, I think, are going to retain Patrick Graham, assuming he does not get the Vikings job. But even if he, even if they didn't, there was Mike Zimmer, there's Vic Fangio, there's Wink Martindale. Like there, are, there were established guys. Had they hired a defensive-minded guy as head coach, there it weren't as be, many good offensive candidates out there. No, right. And it would be imperative that he have some, you know, mastermind offensive coordinator. And I just didn't see where that was coming from. So, and, yeah. Well, I, and if you're looking at Brian Flores, right, who is another finalist for the job, like he's had three offensive coordinators in three yeah. years, right? Uh, yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that came up in their interviews. Um Nah, he may have had a great plan for who his OC would have been, but, um, and I would have been fine with Flores. Like, I think he did a really good job in Miami. Yes. Um, there, there's, it doesn't, it wouldn't have made me feel very comfortable that, you know, a guy who's had kind of a lot of different assistants under him and friction with the GM and owner, but it's also Miami where it's like the owner's kind of whatever. And the GM is also kind of whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so you you don't know exactly what what the deal is, um, but I'm definitely happy with Dable. I, I like uh, it's always fun to root for a fat, short, bald guy. Um, I just hope uh, you know no one knows anything how it's going to turn out. And two years, like you know, two years ago, I, me, and everyone else were like, "Wow, I didn't never heard of Joe Judge until yesterday, but this guy is awesome." And then. You know, two years later, we're like, this guy sucks. So I hope uh, Dable's not like that. And um, I just don't, expectations should not be that Daniel Jones is suddenly going to morph into Josh Allen. Like, I I hate, I can't stand seeing that narrative. It's just like, are they somewhat similar that they're both these like white athletic quarterbacks sure, that are above six five and have yeah above like, average arms but allen has right. the best josh allen is awesome yeah he's awesome right. it's just like and even last year like i literally a year ago in the same narrative which is sounds so stupid now but it's like year two in jason garrett's system jones's third year remember josh allen made his leap in year three so like that should be expected. And I was like, why should that be expected? Because one other random person also made a good jump from year two to year three. Like they're not, they're not the same player. Daniel Jones is, is not as good as Josh Allen. Can he improve? Sure. 
I, I, he, I expect him to improve. I also wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't improve. And this is his last year on the giants, but like, he's not going to become a top five quarterback. He's could he become a, the 10th best quarterback? I think it's possible, but like my expectations are not like, Oh, Dable is going to turn Jones into Josh Allen. Just wait. like, that's not what I'm expecting. Yeah. I'm with you to me. The, uh, the best part about this hire, honestly, is that, and again, um, for all the reasons that you outlined with the, with the connections, Joe Shane to Brian Dable, that they're on the same page again, the giants just proves to me that this racism uh, allegation is absolute bullshit, but whatever. Um, the best part about this was that the ownership group gave autonomy to the general manager to hire the guy that he wanted to hire. Yes. That is it. It may not work. I, we can't predict the future. It may not work. But the way they went about it is the right way to go about it, given the situation that the Giants were in. So to me, this is great. This is great. Results will obviously, you know, determine how great it is. But the fact that Shane was able to hire his guy without much input from the ownership group is a step in the right direction. Yes, I agree. So it was also a little uh, nerve wracking when the reports came out that uh, Mara had reached out to Flores like before they even hired Shane. And I was like, uh, what? What's happening now? Um, but I take that to mean that the GMs they interviewed all had Flores on their list of candidates. And so I think it does make sense to reach out and say, hey, just so you know, like, you know, don't don't take a job, uh, you know, immediately. Um, and by the way, just while we're on this call, Jim Harbaugh returning to Michigan. Really? He's not taking the Minnesota job. Shocking. Yep. Yep. And he interviewed today on signing day. Everyone thought he was going to take it. So maybe Patrick Graham does get the Minnesota job. Who knows? Um, that wouldn't be great for the defense. I like Graham. But I, I would take the so if we could get him. Yeah. There's alternatives. And I believe if. Patrick Graham does get the Minnesota job. The Giants would be awarded two third round picks, um, not from Minnesota, but from the NFL for part of this, some diversity rule of having your assistants go somewhere else for promotion or something like that. Well, don't get me started um, on the room. No, I mean, of course, the NFL will then probably take away those draft picks as punishment, but we'll see. Whatever, uh, whatever. The NFL is not this. <laughs> the Giants made a good, a good hire. The Brian Flores lawsuit is an absolute sham. Whatever. But Shy, this was great, man. Um, obviously, I'm sure we're gonna talk a bunch about the game itself, uh, what happened in the game, and all this good stuff uh, coming up. And maybe there's hope for the Giants going forward. Uh, looking forward to how to see how everything unfolds, and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much for doing it. Yeah, I mean, there's more hope today than there was uh, three weeks ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Danny Heifetz on the ringer said it best. He's like, this is the most hope I've had as a Giants fan in three years. Um, It's possible. Yeah. Uh, three years. Yeah. Probably long. It's been bleak. Sure. It's been really, really bleak. Shy, thanks so much again, dude. I'll speak to you soon. Have a good one. Okay. Bye. See ya. Bye.
Thanks again to recurring guest Shai Alberger for coming on, talking about Championship Sunday, talking about the Giants head coaching position being filled by Brian Dable. Again, not racist. One last thing before we let you out. One last thing. So this Rams team inherently by themselves is very likable. However, I am going to be rooting against the Rams, not just because I love Joe Burrow, but because of this WhatsApp group I'm in with a bunch of LA guys, right? So we were having this debate and all of a sudden the ringleader, shout out to recurring guest Rob Carpellis, decides that he's going to change the name to the chat to LA, the city of champions. First and foremost, Robert, the Rams have not won this game yet, all right? So let's relax, okay? The Lakers won a COVID title. The Dodgers won a COVID title. The Dodgers hadn't won a legit title since 1988. The Lakers since 2010. But whatever. We'll let, we'll let that slide for a little bit. But we're having this debate about the merit of L.A. as a sports city. Because as you saw on Sunday... L.A. Rams fans were outnumbered by 49ers fans in their home stadium and an NFC championship game. And these jokers from Los Angeles are trying to tell me that L.A. is a sports town, a la New York, a la Boston, a la Philly, a la Chicago, a la Cleveland, that L.A. is a sports town like those cities. Make no mistake, LA is not a sports city. It's a Lakers town with Dodger fans. It is not a sports city. A real sports city would never allow the opposing fan base to outnumber them in a championship game, ever. They were trying to say, but the Rams are a new franchise. The Rams are a new franchise. I don't care, all right? Look at Las Vegas. Look at the Knights. The Knights sell out every night. They would never allow the opposing team to have more fans than the Vegas Knights have. Look at the Raiders. New to Vegas. The Raiders fans are never outnumbered at home, especially in a playoff game. Now, there hasn't been a playoff game in Las Vegas yet, but you can get what I'm going at over here. L.A. is not a sports city. It's a Laker city. They have great Dodger fans. It is not a sports city. The fact that you can't pack a sports bar on a Sunday or for a big game in Los Angeles means you are not a sports city. If you can go to the beach 90% of the year and enjoy the sunshine, you are not a sports city. Okay? LA's got... More going on, and people in L.A. are into more things than just sports. That's not a bad thing, but you're not a sports city. L.A. is an event city. L.A. is about events. They love the Lakers, and they're passionate Dodger fans. You are not a sports city, okay? You are not a sports city. Now, there are a lot of big-time L.A. sports fans. I mean, I'm friends with a couple of them. but. Make no mistake about it. I will repeat myself again. And I'm right about this like I'm right about most things. L.A. is not a sports city. So because 
these guys in this chat who I happen to like are so ignorant about so many things. And because I love Joe Burrow, I'm pulling for the Cincinnati Bengals. Anyway, that's episode 142 for the love of the game. Take us out for Rowan. Mm, yeah. Let's dance. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.